You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's dark. You're sitting in front of the mirror getting ready for bed. There's nobody else in the house. You see something move in the corner of your eye. You glance to your right, but you don't see anything. Another minute goes by, and you think you see movement again. So you slowly turn to your left, but again, the room is empty. You turn back around, and staring you face to face in the mirror is a cat. You jump back, because you don't have a cat, and there's no cat in the room. But there he is, staring at you in the mirror. Welcome to Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week, we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Now, step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, Brandy Stark. Hello and welcome to Paranormal Pets. I'm your host, Brandy Stark, and for this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about pet death and grieving. I'm very sad to report that my eldest pug and my second generation paranormal pug, Achilles, has passed away. And we'll talk a little bit about some of that process. So we will get to that after a little bit of catch up and right after these messages. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. So just to break up the episode a little bit, uh, because there have been some other things that have been going on that are kind of exciting. We did, uh, the Spirits of St. Petersburg and I got to investigate a local building called the Coliseum, which goes back to the 1920s and has been on a bucket list forever. I think it's our third bucket list investigation. So that's very exciting for us. Uh, It doesn't seem to be too terribly haunted, but nonetheless, we're going to give ourselves some kudos for that. We're trying to determine whether or not the haunting, which is alleged to be the McDonald's who owned the Coliseum and worked there for about 45 years, still dance across the ballroom at night when no one is there. We've also had a couple of other unusual things. Uh, There was a celebration of the Jack Kerouac 100th birthday that just took place in March. And this is kind of an exciting thing because Jack Kerouac lived here in St. Petersburg. And of course, he was one of my very first paranormal contacts. What's to be kind of fun is that... (laughs) 
my goodness, I put away three of the pugs and I have my old guys and they still make some noise here. Sorry. But uh, anyway, the exciting part of that show is that I entered a print of my original ghost image. I was very surprised that it got accepted. I really thought they thought I was a, you know, I'd be crazy, but it did get accepted into the show. And I talked to the person who was running the Friends of Jack Kerouac, and he actually had a little bit of a paranormal story himself, dealing with both birds a little bit and Jack Kerouac, possibly or maybe even his grandfather. So we'll pause and we'll hear a little bit of that Jack Kerouac story. And right after we get back, we'll continue on with our updates. So if this was 2016, I was working on the mural of the Flamingo Bar, and there were a couple weird things that would happen. Sometimes a raven would come down and try to make off of the bag of supplies. Okay. Um, and then one time I was coming down off the roof on a ladder, and I just set up a camera and I had a, like an extra bag with different batteries in it for my GoPro. And I was several rungs down on the ladder, remembered I forgot the bag of batteries, was about to go up and get it, and a wind gust came and blew the bag like into my hands. Wow. And my grandfather was also named Jack, and I was wondering which Jack was like looking after me. So Jack Kerouac, who did go to the Flamingo uh, a few months, I think, before his death, right? Yes. And then, of course, my photo is the Haslam's photo. So after he died, it was said he haunted Haslam's. One story is that somebody saw his torso walking through the building. And when he was alive, he would go in and he would take the books and he would rearrange them because he didn't like where his were. Yes. So after he died, those books kept jumping off the shelf. Uh, the cats follow somebody mysterious. And when we were in there... I had an EMF meter that started to actually register over a table of books and all of the power was off. So I took pictures with my film camera. That's film, not even digital. And this beautiful mist showed up. And I found out two years later that there was an employee shelving books there and he heard somebody walk up behind him after Haslam's closed and say, hey, how you doing? And he turned, it was a man too, male voice. And he turned around to say, what are you doing in here? And he was completely alone. So uh, the sensitives I had on the investigation said Jack Kerouac thought we were quite entertaining. <laughs> so that's what we are. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I always thought Jack Kerouac was a very interesting fellow. Uh, and I love that somebody else had a paranormal story. And I thought it was kind of fun that the question is whether or not it was Jack Kerouac or Jack, his grandfather. But uh, the little bird piece I thought was really pretty neat. I have yet to hear of any Florida Ravens helping too many people out, so you just never know. Other news and updates. Uh, the Paranormal Puppies have had their first time in the art studio, so uh, this is basically the first time I have thought about it. It has been like the longest week. I can't even explain that, but it's the first time I've actually really actively tried uh, to train or to raise some pug puppies to be paranormal pets. So I'm very pleased to report that Ajax and Neotolemus are turning one year old next week. And of course, this is where things get a little bit weird because Neotolemus's birthday is March the 23rd. Ajax's birthday is March the 22nd. These boys were both the last of their litters. One came from the north, one came from the south county area. No relation whatsoever. So to find two... 
that I actually got several weeks apart. And I'm, I'm sad to say that Ajax was actually on discount because he was 11 weeks old and nobody wanted him because he was a big boy. Ajax is absolutely to die for. He is so sweet and so mushy and so cute that I can't even. So I'm delighted to have him. But to have that odd coincidence that they're literally one day apart and then to find out I verified the birthday of Patroclus, who is our current paranormal pug. He's generation three. His birthday is March the 23rd. So I literally have three pugs with birthdays between two days. All of them are designated to be paranormal pugs. All of them were purchased or rescued, actually, depending on the case, from three separate locations. One 11 years ago, Patroclus will be 11. The other two in May, and they have the same birthdays. I mean, just the odds of that happening to me were really, really freaky, but maybe it is a good sign that Neoptolemus and Ajax are meant to be paranormal pugs. So the boys actually did pretty well with their first trip to Art Lofts. The Art Lofts building that I am in is where my studio is, and it was a second Saturday, and I took them for March because they will be one, as I mentioned, next week. They seem to have a really good time, but the two boys definitely have very different temperaments. Ajax is the good side of the cute pug self, sweet, adorable, wiggly. I mean, just great. And the Neoptolemus is a mischief maker. I'm pretty sure he's a trickster. And if I didn't know better, I would say he's the reincarnated soul of a six-year-old boy because he's very naughty. And whereas Ajax was super excited to see people, Neo would bark. And, uh, you know, not viciously, but (laughs) I'm still working with him. I'm like, buddy, if you want to be a paranormal pug, you have to be nice and you have to be quiet when we go out. But uh, they did get down the haunted stairwell. I did note they were not very fond of the elevator. The haunted stairwell, they don't have stairs really at home. Um, So they were a little hesitant, but they did go down without too much of an issue. So they're still so young that I really don't quite know how to gauge them yet. Anyway, so those are updates, but the crux of this particular show has a bit of a sadder nature, and that is the loss of my eldest pug, uh, my second generation paranormal pug, Achilles. And this was very different for me because Achilles was 16 and a half when he passed and he's kind of the last of the old guard. So he had contact with Iliad and Odyssey, who are my first pugs and odyssey was the first generation paranormal pug and in fact i got achilles and his brother odysseus when odyssey was diagnosed with terminal cancer i thought he was going to die within six months i did some alternative therapy with him so basically he did have the surgical areas uh, the cancerous areas removed surgically but i did take him for acupuncture of all things And I'll be darned if Odyssey didn't make it six years. So he did really well. But Achilles and Odysseus, uh, the two brothers that had come together, were kind of raised by Iliad and Odyssey. And of course, Odyssey was, for lack of a better term, my familiar. I mean, I just adored him. He was just perfect. So on top of that, of course, Achilles and his brother were paranormal pugs, and they have been featured along with Odyssey in really old episodes of this podcast. 
So they really have a strong connection to a lot of what I've done. And then Achilles, of course, outsurvived his brother who passed three years ago. And he was kind of that last connection to a lot of very beloved pugs from both Pug Rescue, actually most Pug Rescue, including Chin and Belvedere and Doug and Lilo. And he helped to raise my current pugs, uh, Pandora, Grace, Paranormal Pug, Patroclus. I really thought I was going to lose him about eight or nine months ago when he had double bronchitis and double pneumonia. I thought that was it. He made it through, by golly. And so I'm really grateful for the extra time that we had. And in fact, I ended up getting Ajax and Neoptolemus because at that time, I still had Belvedere, who was over 15. And I had Achilles, who was also the same age as Belvedere, coincidentally. And I really thought that they would be going at any time now. And the fact that uh, Belvedere did pass, but Achilles lasted for another almost, as I said, almost a full year meant that he now has that connection also with Ajax and Neoptolemus. So I know it sounds like a lot of names and a lot of weird connections, but he spanned a long time in my life. And so his death was, was hard. This happened over spring break. And there's actually a bit of a paranormal element to it because essentially one week before he died, I think it was about a week and a day, I knew that he was in decline. We were having more issues with pottying in the house and he would drink copious amounts of water, but he still had a diet. He was still eating, but he was having trouble moving a lot. His arthritis was getting a lot worse and his mobility was dropping. So, I mean, all of these are kind of signs and he started looking like an old pug. So as you're aware, as pets age, they kind of go through a weight loss phase where they lose weight and muscle mass. So I, I kind of knew but I was preparing everybody for bed and getting everybody onto the bed. So they get three quarters of the bed and I get what's left. But I was locking up the house. Everybody was up on the bed except for me. So I'm locking up the doors. And as I was walking through my narthex, for the briefest moment, I could have sworn I saw a little black pug standing in the middle of the room with me and that it was Odysseus, Achilles' brother. And I've for a very long time had the feeling that Odysseus would wait for Achilles because they were litter mates, they came together, they were paranormal pugs together, and they spent all of their lives together. So it was just a glimpse, it was a fraction of a second. And honestly, you know, can I say it's paranormal? I've really tried to, to keep that part of this honest because. There is the psychological notion that I pretty well knew Achilles was on his way out. So could this have been perhaps a wish fulfillment? Could it have been the Freudian concept that I'm projecting this idea of Odysseus being here and therefore I saw it? I can't really say, but a little piece of me kind of hopes that he was really here. And uh, I kind of knew, if so, that it was probably a sign that time was pretty close. So it did, however, give me something to think about because in the human realm, when humans pass away, oftentimes they will describe somebody that they love coming to get them. So near-death experiences and people who study death and dying will talk about that. And I've heard plenty of stories about folks even seeing their pets come to get them. Religiously speaking, these figures are called psychopomps. And I think that's an awesome term and I think everybody needs to know it, but a psychopomp is literally the entity or the supernatural being that leads the soul to the land of the dead. 
So if you are into the Greeks, that was Hermes. Uh, the Romans, it was Mercury. For the Egyptians, it was Anubis. I believe for Catholics, it's St. Michael. And I, I kind of wondered if indeed that psychopomp notion would work for pugs. If a pug would see somebody beloved to them to lead them to the other side. And if so, this was really my first experience with that. I don't know if it'll ever happen again, but it was kind of unique. So as the week went on, I noticed that Achilles was not, his heartbeat was very good. And it, it's kind of like his body was not doing well, but he just wasn't able to pass over. So there were a couple of places that I considered. And I know that Achilles, despite his warrior's name, and I always thought this was quite funny with him, but he hated the vet. He was a very unusual personality for a pug. So in fact, when he was a puppy, we got him a training harness to walk on and he cried every time I put it on him, even though it didn't hurt him. He just was not, you know, he didn't want that. And uh, he was always very noticeable what he wanted and what he didn't. And so in this particular case, Achilles did not like the vet. I mean, the vets really haven't done anything to hurt him, but I'm sure it's no fun to get poked and prodded and get your shots and, you know, blood work done. So I did not want to take him in to stress him out. I really felt like an investment of 16 and a half years, you know, he really deserved the most peaceful passing that he could get. And I really had hoped he would pass on his own, but he just was not capable of doing that. So his quality of life was to the extent that, you know, I had to help him drink water, like help him to stand to get to the water dish. We were not sleeping through the night. He would have to go out. I think he was waking me up at least four times a night to go out, to go potty. And his mobility was just incredibly limited. So I would have to carry him everywhere. And I, I did have advice from a vet who said, if their quality of life gets to the extent that you're doing almost everything for them, then they don't have quality. So I called a place called Lab of Love, which I'm not sure if they're international or national or not, but they had been recommended to me by two separate sources who had used them. And they had a very high rating. So Laps of Love is an organization that will come out and euthanize your pet at home. And I felt that might be a little bit better for Achilles. We've never done it before because when pugs decide they're going to go, there's usually a lot of drama. And it's usually, I mean, you know, something's going to happen, but you don't know when. And then when it happens, it's dramatic and you got to rush them to the vet. And you know, so this, this was kind of a little bit different. And I will say it was a little difficult because I had to plan a day and that was hard. But at the same time, he wasn't going to get better and his health would just continue to decline. So I called in and I will say this because I called a couple of places and one just referred me to their website. And I thought, yikes, yuck. I mean, you know, if you're dealing with somebody with something like this, you don't want to be referred to a website. And I will say that they really did take time to talk to me and find out about the pet and where my vet was and go over the procedure. And I'm sad to say it's not my first time having to do something like this for a pug, but, you know, it was good that they kind of went through it. There was plenty of, you know, do you have any questions? They sent follow-up emails. The only negative to it is that it is very expensive. So in order to have an in-home euthanasia, it was $400, which was a lot. But, you know, you have to think, how does $400 counterbalance 16 and a half years of friendship? 
and to give him some dignity with this death process, uh, because again, he was declining. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a little bit of a break from this modeling topic. But when we come back, I will finish up a little bit of the story and I will share with you some of the resources that they sent to me in hopes that perhaps this will help uh, some of you as that time comes. So we'll be right back after these messages. Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host, Brandy Stark. And welcome back. So, as I mentioned, this is kind of a little bit of a harder topic, and this was entirely new for me to have an at-home euthanasia done, but I chose the euthanasia and I chose to bury Achilles here at home rather than have him cremated. That was an additional $200 and it just, it got to be a lot. And I thought, okay, well, he spent his whole life at either my mother's house or mine. And I was able to find a spot in the front yard between our homes and prepare everything. So I, I kind of knew But I think the other reason this was so different is I asked them what to do with the pugs, because as you know, I have a pug grumble and they said, well, if they are well behaved and you can possibly keep them with Achilles, sometimes it's better for them to see what is happening so that the pets have time to grieve. And I thought that was, that was interesting. My ultimate decision was to send Penelope, who is a puggle over to my mother's house because she is obnoxious. (laughs) Unfortunately, I love her dearly. She's eight going on nine and she is just a handful in and of herself. And I did decide to send Neoptolemus and Ajax over because they are still very young and I thought this they can be hyper. But I did allow Patroclus, who was partially raised by Achilles, and Pandora and Grace, also of the same age, and they grew up with Achilles, to be present. So the day that they came, we everybody went out to the back porch, and my mother came over after I dropped off the other pug. So the whole family was together. And it was very interesting because I don't know at first if the pugs 
understood quite what's going on. I mean, I know Achilles was ready. I'm sad to say that uh, he had started producing what I call a sludge, which is usually a very bad sign, probably a tumor or a credible ulcer. I mean, he was definitely dying and the vet agreed. He was in the process of passing, but that he could have lingered for days. And I mean, this was just an awful thing. So he was okay. He was ready. Patroclus, honestly, I think, I don't know where Patroclus went. Grace sat on my mother's lap And I do remember very directly watching Pandora because she went to the end of the walkway in the yard and I saw her look at us as the process was going through. And of course they do sedate and give a muscle relaxant so that it's very peaceful. And as that final injection was going, I looked up and I I guess I caught her eye or she caught mine. And I I watched her for a second and I saw her tail go down. And I, I thought that was really interesting. It's hard to explain to your pet what is going on. But once the deed was done, you know, I was able to take Achilles to his spot and I had like a little angel to put on top of it and and it was ready. So all of this was very interesting. And I will say that immediately afterwards, I had a paranormal investigation, but it was good for me to get out of the house. Uh, I did send the pugs over with mom while I was gone. But when I got back, I could tell that there was a difference in the house. And honestly, I think the pugs knew what was going on because I realized that there was kind of that feeling that you get with death. And that there was kind of an aroma, a smell that was no longer present. And it's it's hard to describe, but you know, the pharaohs of death were gone. So I thought that was a remarkable transformation. But what I thought I would share with you guys is or are two articles. The first is the pet lovers code. So I know that because this is a paranormal pets podcast, we do deal a lot with pet death or pets experiencing death or sensing the dead. So I thought this was kind of good and I hope this helps others. So this is by Dr. Alan Wolfelt, which is reprinted with permission. I have permission from Laps of Love to share the information as well. You have the right to grieve the death of a pet. You loved your pet. Your pet loved you. You had a strong and profound relationship. You have every right to grieve this death. You need to grieve this death. You also need to mourn this death. Express your grief outside of yourself. You have the right to talk about your grief. Talking about your grief will help you heal. Seek out others who will allow you to talk about your grief. Other pet lovers who have experienced the death of a pet often make good listeners at the time. If at times you don't feel like talking, you also have the right to be silent. You have the right to feel a variety of emotions. Confusion, anger, guilt, and relief are just a few of the emotions you might feel as part of your grief journey after the death of a pet. Feelings aren't right or wrong, they just are. You have the right to experience grief bursts. Sometimes out of nowhere, a powerful surge of grief may overcome you. This can be frightening, but it is normal and natural. You have the right to be tolerant of your physical and emotional limits. After the death of a pet, your feelings of loss and sadness will probably leave you feeling fatigued. Respect what your body and mind are telling you. Get daily rest, eat balanced meals, and don't allow others to push you into doing things you don't feel like doing. You have the right to make use of a ritual. After a pet dies, you can harness the power of ritual to help you heal. Plan a ceremony that includes everyone who loved your pet. You have the right to embrace your spirituality. At times of loss, it is natural to turn to your faith or spirituality. Engaging your spirituality by attending church or other place of worship, praying or spending time alone in nature may help you to better understand and reconcile your loss. You have the right to search for meaning. You may find yourself asking, why did my pet die? Why this way? Why now? 
Some of your questions may have answers, but some may not. Ask them anyway. You have the right to treasure your memories. Memories are one of the best legacies that exist after the death of a special companion animal. Instead of ignoring your memories, find ways to capture them and treasure them always. You have the right to move towards your grief and heal. Reconciling your grief after the death of a pet may not happen quickly. Remember, grief is best experienced in doses. Be patient and tolerant with yourself and avoid people who are impatient and intolerant with you. Neither you nor those around you must forget that the death of a beloved pet changes your life forever. And then they actually had a brief article on canine grief, which I thought could be good to know. This is by Dr. Danny McVetty. A loss of a dog can be quite traumatic, not only on the family as a whole, but also specifically on the other dogs left behind. Many of these signs are based on the dog's natural personality. For example, a subordinate dog may become introverted, hiding and not wanting to interact with the family, and the loss of a more dominant companion. Conversely, some dominant dogs may be very clingy or appear abnormally nervous, panting, pacing, searching for their friend, etc. If their pack seems to have been lost, these behaviors are general, however, and may be seen in any dog, Based on these outward signs that dogs cannot voice to us, it certainly appears that they can experience grief when a companion dies. The American Society for the Protection of Cruelty to Animals conducted a companion animal mourning project in 1996. The study found that 36% of dogs ate less than usual after the death of another canine companion. About 11% actually stopped eating completely. About 63% of dogs vocalized more than normal or became more quiet. Study respondents indicate that surviving dogs changed the quantity and location of sleep. More than half the surviving pets became more affectionate and clinging with their caregivers. It is normal for behaviors to change and to be seen in the first 10 to 14 days after the loss of a companion. You may try to take their mind off of it by providing them with more attention and affection. Long walks, playing and engaging in favorite activities, especially those done with companions that passed, can help build confidence and stimulate mental enjoyment. Use environmental enrichment techniques such as toys, especially that allow you to hide a treat inside like Kongs to help keep them busy during the day. If your dog is too depressed, they may not respond right away. Remember time heals all wounds. You may also consider a DAP dog appeasing pheromone diffuser available at most pet stores. Give it a few days, then start encouraging the dog to do more using their favorite reward that you do not use at any other time. If symptoms do not subside after two weeks, you may consider taking your grieving pet to a veterinarian. There are medical and even holistic approaches to canine grief that can be particularly helpful, including antidepressants, acupuncture, and herbal remedies. Some more severe cases may also include stress colitis or diarrhea, and may necessitate a visit to your veterinarian sooner. If your grieving dog is now an only child, some owners ask if they should get him or her a new companion to prevent loneliness. While this may work for some of the more sociable and extroverted breeds, it doesn't work for all dogs, especially high dominant dogs. It's best to allow your dog time to heal. Most experts recommend waiting at least two to four weeks or sometimes longer before introducing a new pet into the household. So with my pugs, because pugs are social, what I tend to do is to get generations to integrate together so that when a pug passes, there's already that infrastructure already in place. I do that with the rats as well. Although I will say the week that Achilles died, I also, my oldest pet rat passed away and I lost a beta fish. I mean, it was just a tough week, but that is how we handle things here. Because again, pugs are a little grumble. They were clingy for a while, but I think they knew what was coming and they've adjusted pretty well. 
So what we're going to do is we'll take a quick break. When we get back, we'll just wrap up everything. And hopefully for our next episode, we will have something a little bit more upbeat to talk about. So we'll be right back after this message. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. So my summation of everything that has happened is that um, I guess for my personal family, I have had no views of Odysseus or Achilles. Uh, I thought maybe they might visit, but they haven't. So I guess they're they're ready for the other side. But it is kind of a, an end of an era, particularly with that connectivity to Pug's past and Pug's present. And of course, it was very unusual to have three generations of paranormal Pugs at one time. So, you know, I'll miss that but Achilles deserved to rest and he deserved his dignity and I hope I kept that intact for him. Otherwise, next week, March the 23rd of 2022, I am actually going to be a featured guest on Coast to Coast AM, which I was on probably mm, 20 years ago. So I'm very excited for that. I will hopefully be talking about paranormal pets and trying to plug this podcast, but feel free to tune in or check their archives. So that's Coast to Coast AM with George Nuri. And I guess my only other question for you all is if you have any information or subjects that you'd like to discuss, please do let me know because we're happy to loop those in here. Otherwise, uh, we are just going to try to soldier on for a while and uh, see what paranormal phenomenon is out there that we can engage with and uh, keep on keeping on. So I hope to you and yours that you are doing well and I'm going to wish everybody a happy haunting. We'll catch you next episode. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.